Welcome to Working the Word with Jonathan Vorse. Join us now for service already in progress at Lakewood Church of God. James chapter 4 and verse number 8. I want to talk to you this morning about being up close with God. Earlier this week, um, I was thinking about our congregation, thinking about our people, and I know there's a a lot that's out traveling and up seeing family and uh, spending time with them. But I also am aware that there are a lot of people that stay here who have family up north, some a little south, maybe down in Cuba or someplace like that. And this is a very lonely time of the year for you because you're missing your kids, you're missing your family. I'm also aware of the fact that this is the time of the year when we miss those that went on before us to their eternal reward and that many times our lost loved ones are on our mind during this time. And so I began to think about that and I can see in your eyes sometimes, I can see the pain, I can see the loneliness, I can see the wishful, Lord, I wish I was up there, I wish they were here with us, I wish you know, they had not passed away. And I began to talk to the Lord about this. I said, Lord, I said, what can I do? What words of hope can I give to try to strengthen and encourage them? And it's like the Lord began to just tell me, you need to speak to them about being close with me. Just let me be that friend that sticks closer than a brother. Let me be the mother. Let me be the father. Let me be maybe the the wayward child. So James chapter 4 and verse number 8 is what we have chosen for our springboard scripture, actually the first phrase of that verse. Very familiar passage of scripture, very familiar saying. It says, draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. So today I'm going to talk to you for just a few moments about living close to God. We're going to call this up close. Father, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you so much that you have promised us in your word that you will never leave us or forsake us. Thank you that you're close to us, that we can be close to you, that we can have this great relationship. I pray that you would help me to be able to effectively communicate even with the oracles of God today. We rely heavily upon the person and the work of the Holy Spirit working through us to minister this message to the ears of the hearers today. May we receive it with gratitude and thanksgiving. We give you praise, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Most Christians will tell you that they want to be close to God, won't they? Let me ask you this question. How many of you would like to be closer to God than what you are? Let me see your hand. Isn't that something? We would like to be closer to God than what we are. See, I think here's what happens. I think sometimes in our Christian walk, we just kind of get stuck. We get stagnant. And what I mean by that is we give our life to Christ. We get excited about living for Him. We begin to grow in the Lord. And then it's almost like we reach this place of comfort and we just think, well, it feels pretty good right here. So we choose to just kind of dwell there the rest of our life. My hope today in ministering this message to you is that I can challenge you to break out of that mediocrity. To help us understand that just because we're comfortable 
where we are doesn't mean that we should stay there. In fact, if we're growing in God, then, then that means that God is probably stretching us. God is probably pulling on us. God is probably challenging us. And it's during those times of stretching and pulling and challenging and times when we maybe don't completely understand what's going on, but we feel the tug of God and we pull, feel the pull of God. Those are the times when we are growing in God, when we are advancing in God. The temptation to allow mediocrity to take over our life is always going to be there. And you and I have got to take steps that will help us break out of that spirit of mediocrity where we can begin growing in God again. There's a song that we used to sing in church that says, Draw me nearer, nearer blessed Lord to the cross where thou hast died. Remember that song? We sang it in the first service. Draw me nearer, nearer blessed Lord to thy precious bleeding side. Here's my... Here's my words of encouragement to you today. You can experience the closeness of God in your life. You can experience, I can experience, we can experience the closeness of God in our life. Now, there are a few simple biblical principles that we need to take along the way that can aid us and that can help us. And I'm going to share some of those with you today. But I want to encourage you during this season, during this time of the year when sometimes we can get lonely, when sometimes pain can resurface, when sometimes we start missing those who have gone on before, there are things that we can do. Now, it might not be a complete cure-all, but it's things that we can do to feel the presence of God and experience Him helping us grow in the Lord. We're going to begin in Jeremiah chapter 31. Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse number 3. Here's what the Bible says. The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Everybody say drawn. This is talking about the pull of God. God drawing you to Him. Come on, just stick your hand out like that and say, God's drawing me. Damn, come on, we're waking, waking ourselves up. Let's do it one more time. God is drawing. God's drawing. Drawing us to Him. So the next time that you feel alone and you feel discouraged, just kind of go like that and just realize, you know what? God's trying to draw Himself to me. The Bible says here that He's drawn me with His everlasting love and with His loving kindness. Now notice, the Bible didn't say that He's drawing us with condemnation. He's drawing us with guilt. He's drawing us with all of these kinds of things. No, the Bible said it's with His loving kindness and with His everlasting love that He is drawing us to Him. Now, when we determine to get closer to God, we can be assured that we are not presuming or, or, or imposing upon God because it's God who is drawing us to Him. And if He didn't want to be close to us, he wouldn't be pulling on us. He wouldn't be drawing on us. He loves us and He loves us to draw close to Him. So I think it's important. The Bible said in James chapter 4 and verse number 8 that if we draw nigh to God, He will draw nigh unto us. So as we draw close to God in prayer, as we draw close to God in worship, as we draw close to God in the Word of God, we need to remember and be encouraged of the fact that God really does love us with an everlasting love, and that love will not disappear 
or falter or fail when we falter and when we sin. Sin, the theological definition of sin is a willful transgression against the law of God or the laws of God. And so the Bible says here that God will love us for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through Him might be saved. It's the love of God, the everlasting love of God that is the draw of God upon sinful man that causes man to realize that they need to make Jesus the Lord of their life. Many of us today, we... Some of us grew up in church. I was one of those fortunate ones. My dad gave his life to the Lord when I was a year old. I'm 49 years old now. I'm 49 years old now, I've come to think of it. And for 48 of those years, I have had the privilege and the joy of being able to serve the Lord. There are many times during those years when I have felt the pull and the draw of God on my life. It's not that I quit serving God. Now listen, it's not that I quit serving God. It's not that I lost interest in God. It's just that many times I got so busy trying to work for the Lord that I would get so busy that I would actually lose my closeness to God or start losing my relationship with the Lord. Can I say this? I want you to hear me very closely, okay? There's absolutely nothing that you will do for God. That's the key. There is nothing that you will do for God that is worth you losing your relationship with God over. God does not require that of you. God does not require you to be so busy working for Him that you lose your personal, intimate relationship with the Lord. Pastor Josh was speaking Wednesday night. He was talking to me right before service. And he was, I asked him, I said, are you ready? He said, oh, yes. I said, I said, is it going to encourage people and challenge people? Of course, I knew it was. I was just messing with him a little bit. And he said, oh, yes. He said, it ministered to me. I said, good. Then you're going to minister from the overflow tonight. And that's the most effective form of ministering when we minister from, after God has ministered to us. Now, Psalms chapter 55, verse 17. Here's what the Bible says. So we see if we want to live close to God, that first of all, we have to understand that there is a supernatural draw of God upon us, and we have to surrender to that draw. Psalms 55 and verse 17, David said, Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. Come on, everybody say with me, Evening, evening. Morning, morning, and noon. Those three times, here's what David said, I will pray and cry aloud, and the confidence that he had in God made him say, and he shall hear my voice. Can I tell you this this morning? God hears you every time you cry out to him. God hears you every time you pray. You might be in a season of your life when it seems like that the heaven is brass and the earth is iron and your prayers are just bouncing back and forth just between the heaven and the earth and you feel like there's no, quote, breakthrough. But I want to encourage you, don't quit praying don't give up on the Word. Don't give up on doing what you know to do because consistent effort doesn't always bring immediate results. It always brings success. And, but it always brings success. And we, when we consistently pray and we consistently stay in the Word and we consistently live the surrendered life, then God will 
breakthrough for you. Come on, somebody give God some praise this morning. We got to wake up. <laughs> Hallelujah. Jesus was our, our central figure of all Christianity. He was our model, wasn't he? He was the model. And Jesus prayed extensively. Not only did Jesus pray extensively, he was the son of God and he prayed extensively. So not only did Jesus pray extensively, but Jesus taught his followers how to pray. Jesus didn't just tell them to pray. Jesus taught them how to pray. God will never tell you to do something without giving you instructions on how to do it. And the same thing is with prayer. When you pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Come on. On earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. He taught them how to pray. Jesus taught them how to pray. Then we find out where Paul spoke often about his continual prayer. And when we talk about continual prayer, we're talking about having an attitude of prayer. We're actually talking about having our ears open because prayer is one part speaking and two parts listening. Let me rephrase that. I said that in the first service, but I'm just feeling a little revelation twinge right here. Prayer is one part speaking and three parts listening. What do you mean by three parts? Two ears and one heart. Sometimes God just speaks into our heart, doesn't He? Sometimes He ministers to our heart and He drops that into bad English but good concept. He drops that into our knower. And it's like we've known it forever. So then we find the apostles, the, the apostles in Jerusalem. The Bible said that they gave themselves to prayer. Acts chapter 6 and verse number 8, they gave themselves to prayer. We can always give ourselves to prayer. So, Psalms 55, 17, Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. So, so I want to talk for just a few moments, give you a couple suggestions here. There, why, don't, why not make a three-time-a-day prayer schedule? Now, this doesn't mean that you have to pray for an hour in the morning, an hour in the afternoon, and an hour at night. But I'm talking about if we want to be close to God, if we want to be up close to God, if we want to draw close to God, then we're going to have to take that step of faith and we're going to have to start activating that faith and try to, to create that in our life. So here's some suggestions. Maybe when you get up in the morning, you could put a post-it note on your mirror where you brush your teeth and comb your hair and wash your face and remind yourself, just give God some praise. So when you're getting up in the morning and you're starting to brush your teeth, you're going, Lord, I give you praise. Lord, thank you, Jesus. Or maybe, oh, God, help me today. Lord, help me wake up. Praise the Lord. Where's the coffee? You know, I mean, but you remind yourself to pray. We remind ourselves to pray. We do that, don't we? So we need to do that. Okay, then now here's another one. Okay, in the evening when you go to bed, what about putting a little note on the little table beside your bed, probably beside the TV remote, and just remind yourself to pray? That's where our, our Bibles used to go, remember? Come on now. That's where the Bibles were. 
But now, you know, but so what we, need, we do, we just need to put a little note there to remind ourselves to pray. We, you say, well, I don't feel like getting up. I want to go to sleep. You don't have to kneel to pray. It's nice to kneel, but you don't have to kneel to pray. You can just lay there in the bed and you can say, well, what do I pray about? I'm laying in the... Just start going through your day just with an attitude of gratitude and praise to the Lord. Lord, I thank you that you woke me up this morning. Lord, I thank you, like they say in Jamaica, and you started me on my way. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for helping me through the day. Lord, I thank you for that challenge. I thank you for you helped me in that difficult time. Lord, I just give you praise for that, and I thank you for that. And then you can just thank him for a little while, and then you can just kind of quit talking and just go, ah, and just, just feel his presence. The Bible said that we could experience Him if happily we would. There's a place in the Scripture that says, feel after Him. So we just lay there and just try to feel the presence of God. We come, become familiar with the presence of God. And so we're thanking Him for that. And so you got the morning covered and you got the evening covered. And now all you have to do is find some part in the middle of your day there to remind yourself to pray. Maybe put a little post-it note on the dashboard in your car to remind you down where the keys are, to remind you when you get in the car and start the car, the ignition, you know what? I'm going to have a few minutes in this car driving to my destination. Why don't I make the most of it and just pray and spend time with the Lord, okay? So that's just a few ideas here. Psalms chapter 119, verses 164, the Bible said seven times a day, I will praise you for your righteous laws. Now, this isn't talking about taking a rug like uh, uh, other religions do and rolling it out in seven times. No, it's talking about having a conscience deliberately deliberate and cultivating your heart to utter brief explanations of praise to God throughout the day. I love Dr. John. I love him very much. He's been around for about six, six and a half years. And uh, every now and then throughout the day, you'll hear him go, <laughs> praise the Lord, like that. That's a, that's a, a brief utter explanation. And you know, I've been around him enough to know that there's times when it just comes out without him even thinking about it. In fact, most of the time, you know, and so sometimes we try to give him the thumbs up. You know, we got that Dr. John thumbs up because his left thumb's broken, so it's like that. That's a thing in our family, you know. They'll they'll try to give a thumb up and we'll all go like that and then we'll go like that. And that's all Dr. John. That's Dr. John. But if you're around him very long, you'll hear that. You'll hear him, well, praise the Lord. Or he'll go, ah, praise the Lord, you know, praise the Lord. Now you've been around him like, well, that's brief explanations of praise the Lord. You say, well, I just don't know if I could train myself to that. You didn't have any problems doing it when you were cussing. Oh, don't start meddling, Pastor. You were doing good until you got to this point, and then you start talking about where we live. Now listen, <laughs> Some, <laughs> Some, somebody was cussing a lot around me once when I was working at the dairy years and years ago. Finally, I looked at him one day. I said, you keep calling on him, and one day he's going to answer. <laughs> they looked at me kind of confused. They said, you a preacher or something? <laughs> they knew I was. They were just messing with me. So, so when we become conscious uh, and, and we start to deliberately worship God and we start deliberately praising God and, and getting that praise on our lips, then... It, it makes us become more aware of the presence of God in our life. It makes us become more aware of the fact that, hey, you know what? I'm a host to the Holy Ghost. 
I'm a place where God lives. This is where God lives. The Bible said that He lives inside of us. And so we become more aware of His presence in our life. And so when we praise Him, then our awareness begins to become heightened of, of His presence. Then Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30 talks about this. It says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So if I want to draw close to God, number one, I've got to realize God's drawing on me. He wants to be close to me. The second thing that I need to do is I need to get His praise on my lips. I, I, I need to take deliberate action to try to foster constant, continual communication between God and myself. The third thing that I need to do is found here in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, when Jesus said, if you're weary and you're burdened, if you come to me, I'll give you rest, and you take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Now I want to kind of, uh, and I've taught this on a couple of different occasions since I've been here, but we have some newer folks that are here, and so I want to kind of just bolster our DNA a little bit. I want to bring you into the loop on this. And so those of you that's heard this before and have experienced it, then that's great and that's wonderful. Just kind of amen me, Pastor, go ahead. But those of you, there are people here that have never heard this. When Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, I'll give you rest and take my yoke upon you and learn of me, Jesus was a fifth level rabbi. The rabbinical teachings of a rabbi were known as their yoke. Now, when we say yoke, when we say take my yoke upon you and learn of me, then what we're thinking is we're thinking of oxen and we're thinking of the yoke, and we're thinking that we put a plow behind it or we put a wagon or something behind it and they go like that and the oxen take off, and that's what we're thinking. But we think that way because that's our culture. And sometimes what we have to do is we have to study the culture of Jesus' day in order for us to understand better what He was saying. And when Jesus said to them, Take my yoke upon you, Oxen never went through their mind. What went through their mind was his teachings. So let's think about this here. He said, come unto me all of you who are weary and heavy laden and I'll give you rest. And then he goes on and he says, take my yoke upon you. Now listen to this. And learn from me. And learn of me. So that once again identifies that he's talking about his teachings. And then he goes on and he says, For I am gentle and humble in my heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So what he was saying was this. You're weary and you're burdened and you're distressed and you're cast down, but if you'll let me speak into your life, the things that I speak into your life, they are gentle and they are humble and you can learn from me, and the teachings that I teach you will bring rest to your soul, which is the seat of your mind and your will and your emotions. Now, I want you to hear me very well this morning. There is absolutely nothing. Somebody say nothing. nothing. There is absolutely nothing complicated about living for God. There's nothing complicated about it. You say, well, pastor, it's just so hard for me to live for the Lord. You're not living for the Lord if you're laboring like that. 
You see, casting all of our care upon Him, for He cares for you. Jesus said, if you come to me and take my teachings upon you and you learn from me, then those teachings are gentle and they're easy to be understood. And He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light and they will actually bring rest to that place of mental anguish inside of you which is the seat of your mind and your will and your emotions. And then he goes on, he said, for my yoke or my teachings are easy and my burden is light. In other words, not hard to be understood. Living for Jesus Christ is not complicated. We give our life to Him because He gave His life for us. We live for Him according to the disciplines of the Word of God. So many times ministers get in the pulpit and they preach. They say, well, the deep calls under deep and they go deep, 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 deep into the Word. And you got people sitting out there scratching their heads and I'm asking myself, why are they even doing this? What's it for? You know, let, let's not complicate the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, one of the apostles, it was either Peter or Paul, made the statement, he said, he said that he talked about the simplicity of the Word of God. And then he goes on and he said, If I or an angel from heaven come and preach any other thing that's been taught unto you, let him be accursed. And so he's talking about the simplicity of the gospel. Living for God is simple. We simply give our lives to Him because He gave His life for us. We live in surrender to Him. We allow Him to be the Lord of our lives. And through that relationship, we feel the tug of God upon our heart and our life. We feel that through prayer, which helps bolster relationship. We feel that through the Word of God, which instructs us in our daily living. And we feel that through fellowship as we encourage one another in the Lord. So He wants to be close to us. So here's... Here is the point of this point in this message. If you're feeling weary and heavy burdened, this is on your page there, your paper. If you're feeling weary and heavy burdened, this is not the time to zone out. Fill it in. It's not the time to zone out, but it's the time to come to Jesus. It's the time to cast your care upon Him. It's the time to throw yourself into His arms. It's the time to say, Okay, Lord, I'm just going to hit the pause button on my life for just a few moments. I'm going to draw myself away until I can feel that draw of you again into my heart and into my life. Lord, I want you to draw me close. Draw me close to you. Never let me go, Lord. I, I want you to draw me close to you. See, th that's the thing. In, in this time of the year, in this holiday season, when our family many times are, are up north celebrating without us because either they couldn't get here or we couldn't get there, then the Bible says that He'll be our friend and He'll draw us to Him. And we need to allow that to happen. And, and the way we do that, the way we feel the draw, is we draw nigh to the Lord. So we take that step toward Him and He brings a step toward us. We take another step toward Him, and He comes closer to us, and we begin to feel that close, intimate, personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's the beautiful thing about that draw. That draw is not harsh. That draw is not condemning. That draw is not guilt-ridden. That draw is gentle. It's gentle. 
God pulls us to Him to give us rest for our souls, not to scold us and not to condemn us, but to draw us close to Him. Number four, Hebrews chapter four, verses 14 through 16. Here's what the Bible says. Since we have a great high priest, seeing that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For have we not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet he was without sin? Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. Now here's the beautiful thing about this scripture. As we come with confidence to Jesus, to His throne of grace, then we can come realizing that He can sympathize with our weaknesses because He experienced what we are experiencing. Jesus will not despise you when you come to Him. He'll help you. He'll wrap His arms of love around. So many people are scared of God. They're afraid of God. Well, He's a God of judgment. Yes, He is. And that's a good thing if you're on the right side of judgment. Come on, don't shout me down this morning. That's a good thing if we're on the right side of judgment. He will draw us close to Him. He is a God of judgment. But He's a God of, of justice. Not just judgment. He exercised judgment to bring justice. To right the wrongs in our heart. And to right the wrongs in our life. With the goal of moving us to a place where we have peace with God. And so we can actually live in peace. So the draw of God is not to condemn you. That's not the goal. The draw of God is to say, you know what? You can boldly approach my throne of grace, God's ability to do in us and for us what we cannot do in ourselves or for ourselves. That's the definition that I've actually thrown on grace. I really believe that that's what it is. Grace is God's ability to do in us and for us what we cannot do in ourselves or for ourselves. And God says, you can boldly approach my throne because I have the ability to minister to you where you hurt. I have the ability to fix you where you're broken. I have the ability to become the friend that sticks closer than a brother. I have the ability to fill up the void of loneliness that's in your heart and that's inside of your life. I'll draw you close if you will draw nigh unto me. So we know that Jesus has been through what we are going through. The Bible says that he was tempted in every way as we are yet without sin. So in his presence, we do not find condemnation, but we find mercy and grace. And then I should have put this down here in, in Psalms chapter 16 and verse number 11. The Bible says, In thy presence there is fullness of joy, and at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. So in His presence we find mercy and grace. And that mercy and that grace, God's ability 
produces the fullness of joy inside of our heart and inside of our life. Fullness of joy. And the fullness of that joy brings pleasure to our sanctified soul. Sanctified soul, mind, will, and emotions. What do you mean by sanctified? I mean called out for God's purposes. Sanctify means to set aside for the purpose of God, to set aside for a holy purpose. We are set aside by God. We are a chosen generation, a royal priest, a holy nation, a peculiar people to show forth the praises of Him who's called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. And so He called us out of the world unto Himself, drawing us close, sanctifying us holy, calling us holy for our pleasure and for His pleasure. So we can experience the fullness of joy and the pleasure of heaven. Now, last passage that I want to share with you this morning. It's not a long message. Someone said hallelujah. James chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Now, we were talking about drawing nigh to God and He'll draw nigh to us. Now, I want to back up to verse number 7 for just a moment. Here's the process. Are you ready? It begins with submission. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Through my submission to God, I have the ability to resist the devil and have the confidence that he will flee from me. See, I can't just resist him and have him flee from me. I have to be submitted to God first. So I submit my life, I submit my will, I submit my emotions... I submit all of those things, I submit those things to God. Like, you know, sometimes your mind will freak out on you. You know, mind freak, sometimes it'll freak out on you. So what you have to do is you have to say, Lord, I submit that mind freak moment to you in Jesus' name. So you can fix it. So you can help me. Because we were born in sin and in sin did our mother conceive us. And there's constantly this battle going on. The flesh lusts against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another and they're always going like this. And the only way that we can actually come into cohesion with God is through a life of submission. Submitted to God. So we submit ourselves therefore to God. We resist the devil and he will flee from us. And then the next verse is draw nigh to God. And he will draw nigh to you. It's part of the connecting process with God. Part of that connecting process with God. So in closing, if Robin will come please. God wants to be close to us. He wants us to be close to him. But we have to take the initiative to try to draw close to God. Like we talked about earlier, maybe reminding ourselves to pray three or four times a day. Maybe becoming more aware of the fact that God is drawing me. Having that God consciousness, having that Jesus consciousness, having the consciousness that the Holy Spirit is is drawing and leading and guiding. We have to become more conscious of those things. And when we do, we'll sense the draw of God upon our heart and upon our life. I like to come together in services. I love to feel the presence of God. 
I love worship. I love the ministry of the Word. I love to pray for you. I love all of those things. But what I love more as your pastor is to see you living a fulfilled spiritual life when you walk out these doors on Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday, as well as Sunday. It's not too difficult to draw close to God when the music's played. It's not too difficult to draw close to God when we are surrounded by people who are actively pressing in and trying to draw close to God. It's not too difficult to do that, is it? But when you're by yourself and you got the bad news, or maybe you just had a fight with your spouse. Come on, I believe in living, you know, preaching where we live. Or maybe you have some teenagers that's just giving you fits. That's life, isn't it? That's life. Or maybe your adult children have not necessarily turned out the way that you raised them. And maybe you're concerned about the choices that they're making. During those times, we can continue to draw close to God and let Him draw close to us. God might not be able to fix that situation, but He can fix the hurt inside of you. And He does that through personal relationship. Thank you for joining us on Working the Word. For more information, go to our website at www.suncoast4, and that's the number 4jesus.tv. You may also write us at 12637 Pony Lane, Hudson, Florida, 34669. Or you may call us at 727-856-1770. Our office hours are Monday through Wednesday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., Thursdays, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. And remember, the Word will work if you work the Word.